We're coming into a really fun season. Christmas, how many of you, it's like your favorite season of the year? Raise your hands. I want to see it. Now, I need to see your hands. Not John, Scrooge. Scrooge. I actually like, as far as seasons and like festivities, I love Christmas. It's my favorite. But I don't like the cold. So I just like Christmas, the little sliver of the Christmas like the week of Christmas. I love it. The songs. I mean, my wife already has Christmas set up. You walk in her house, it's like going into Santa's village. We got everything set up already. It was set up, it was set up two weeks ago. Like, anybody like my wife? We have a fake tree, so you can do that. You know, when we first got married, I said to my wife, we will never have a fake tree. And here we are, years later, for like five years, we've had a fake tree, and I love it. Fake trees don't die on you. But the problem with a fake tree is your wife can say in October, let's set the tree up. <laughs> if you have to buy a tree, you're, go, you're like, no, we have to wait at least weeks before it'll, other, you know. So anyway, that's our house. But we just got through Thanksgiving, and we had family in town. So we, we went up to St. George, Utah. It's one of our favorite places. My wife and I want to actually buy up there. Uh, eventually, and have a second home up there. I love St. George. Um, and uh, anybody been, not been to St. I mean, not been to St. George. Really? It's a beautiful. It's beautiful. So we had we rented an uh, Airbnb. I'm really good at finding specials deals on Airbnb. We had a great spot. We had like 17 of us. Everybody had their own place, bathroom. Not 17 bathrooms, but every family had their own area and their own bathroom. There were uh, four families. And, um, but here's the problem. I accidentally brought a stomach bug with me, and I didn't know it, per se. I didn't know it. My two, my Savvy and Coco had the stomach flu. It's like a 12 to 24-hour stomach flu they had at the end of last week. But they were through it, and I, I was fine. So I noticed Wednesday night, we got up there Wednesday night, or Wednesday afternoon. By Wednesday night, I was like, oh, no, my stomach's starting to... You know, you can tell between hunger pains and stomach bug, right? Hunger pangs and stomach bug. This was like, oh, no, I told my wife, I think. So I kind of retreated to the bedroom. And um, all day Thursday on Thanksgiving, oh, my stomach. So I had a little bit of food. And, um, but what happened was, as the doctor, Cedric, can probably attest to, when you're all living in one house, and that thing just goes around. You can do everything you can, wash, and, but it's, you know, one little, there. So everybody got sick. Thank you, I know. Everybody got sick. And um, it's, it was Barf House USA. You know, we had little kids barfing right in the, on the floor in the living room. I mean, just couldn't hold it. You know, people at the table, all of a sudden, they're talking, and they're gone, and then it's, that's just, well, well, now, if, this were, if barf offends you, you have bigger problems if the word barf offends you. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear, I don't want a Google review about our church and the pastor is crude because he said barf. In fact, do me a favor, get on Google and put some good reviews about our church. That would be a good thing. That will be my Christmas present because we've had some other ones on there. Mostly all good, 4.5. 4.5. There's a couple that are, and those are from years ago, before I was in charge. But, uh, 
So go to Google and give us a good review if, if you would like to. That would be great. So anyway, we got through it. I'm fine now. It's just a 12 to 24-hour bug. I'm fine. Everybody, kids are fine. Um, but that was our... And it was Carly's birthday on Thanksgiving this year. Her 40th was on Thanksgiving. That's one of the reasons why... Who whistled? I did. Good. I'm glad it wasn't a man because I was about to have some words. <laughs> so um, it was her 40th birthday. This is, this is the church we have. This is our church right now. Uh, the cat calls yeah, from Carla. And uh, who's ready to see another Carla video announcement? I know she's ready to see it. So that's why all the family came down for Thanksgiving, but also for her 40th birthday. So it was, we have named that day. It was not her birthday. That was Barf Day. That is all, all going to be known as Barf Day. Shall I preach? All right, get it all out. Let's go. Get it out. Get it out. There is a movement of God's people right now that's happening all across the, uh, the globe, and it is a movement of returning to our first love. And I'm seeing it over and over and over again. It started with us about a year and a half ago, and I told you guys like a year and a half ago that God is moving us back to the face of the sun. The Bible says in John... Um, 19, no, uh, 20, verse uh, 30. Uh, sorry, verse 31, talking about the Bible. But these miracles in this book has been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel written so that we could know the Son. Because if you know the Son, you know the Father. And if you know the Father, you know the Spirit. And um, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes we take this book a little bit lightly. We treat it like, well, it's our Bible. We have the app, and, all, and, and that's good. And I'm not saying you have to read it every second of the day, by any means. But there are Christians in China and overseas that literally die to get one sheet, one piece of paper from this book. They die. They literally die over this. So we, we cannot treat this lightly. Um, famili familiarity brings, breeds contempt. So let's not get too familiar with the words of the Bible, right? So there is a move back to the heart of, to, of the sun. I really believe it. You know the son, you know the father. And so I want to read in a John chapter 21, verse 1. I'm going to set the story up. Jesus had already appeared to disciples after the resurrection. And we'll get, back to, we'll get to that in a minute. But now Jesus had gone his way, and the disciples were together and doing their thing. And they'd gone back to normal life. They'd gone back to normal life. They were fishing again. Jesus had, had resurrected, and now he was still on earth, but he was kind of doing his own, you know, doing his thing here and there. And actually, if you look at verse uh, 30 of the previous chapter, we talked about 31, the reason why the Bible was written, and it was to point us to, to Jesus. It says in verse 30, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of, 
of the disciples. So they actually saw, after the resurrection, the disciples saw much, many more miracles happen. But now Jesus has gone his way, and the disciples have gone their way, and they're probably like not, not knowing what exactly is going to happen. But they go back to normal routine. And so they're in a boat, and they're going to go fish. And, um, and so ver- uh, chapter 21, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we all want to come with you. Now, if it was me and someone wanted to go fishing, I'd say go ahead and fish because I hate fishing. Because to me, it is really slow and boring. How many fishermen we have here that I will offend? I offended a bunch of people in the first service. I went fly fishing once because I saw this movie as a young man called A River Runs Through It with Brad Pitt. And he made it look, you know, Brad looks pretty good. He's, he looks, still looks pretty good, right, for an older guy. I mean, I think he's a little older than me. And, you know, sometimes when you get to be my age, I'm 48, praise God. Praise him. I'm 48. I feel, a good, I feel good. I look good. And then, I, and then I feel even better when I see, like, Tom Cruise. He's, like, 56. I'm like, Tom Cruise is still doing it. He's, like... Eight, ten years older than me. I'm, this is good. I'm in my prime. I keep telling my wife. I've told her for ten years. Because I'll get out of bed sometimes. I'm like, oh, man, my knees or something. She goes, well, babe, you're getting older. I say, I'm in my prime. I'm going to be in my prime until I'm dead. Every year is my prime year. But I saw this movie and then so I went fishing once. I don't remember where it was. We found a river that run through it. It's got to run through it for you to fish in it. Run through what? I don't know. But I, you know, so they, they do the side throw, right? The, what's, what's that fishing called? It's called fly fishing. I think it's called fly fishing because it's the Lord of the Flies like the fish. Because fishing's so dumb. But then you get these, uh, you put these, um, Waiters, yeah, fishing nerds, you know what I'm talking about. You get these, what are they called waiters? Who said waiter? They're waiters. What do you know about fishing, Tony? I know, I know it's in the wrist. I know it's in the wrist. It's like shooting a jump shot, it's in the wrist. Listen. I could, I could Jesus juke you right there. I'm an amazing fisherman. I fish for humans, okay? So, and I'm fly fishing in this river that runs through it, and I'm going, and there's nothing happening, and all we do for eight hours is just talk. But then I caught this big, huge shark in the river, a crocodile. No, I caught nothing. Why? Because fishing is terrible. People have asked me to fish in the last few years. I guess you can fish at Lake Mead, I guess, apparently. The, the toxic fish. But this is, what, this is what these guys did. They fished. It's who they were. It was the function of their life. They fished. And so they're in the boat, and they're fishing, and Peter's w- with them. I'm going fishing, y'all. They said to him, y'all, we, we're going to come with you, Petey. So they went and got into the boat that they might 
and that night they caught nothing. So they got into the, this is, this would be my, in other words, don't go fishing with me. You'll catch nothing. That would be my luck, by the way, FYI. Because I, I repel the fish. It's like if you're not a cat guy, the cats don't like you. You notice this about cats? They can sense it. Little, little demonic senses. They can sense if you like them or not. I actually do like cats. I'm hearing, I'm hearing this. Just preach is what I'm hearing. Just preach. <laughs> Just stop talking and preach. Close your mouth. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. So they're in the boat, and it says they caught nothing, and they went all day and all night. Could you imagine? They're, they're just talking then and fishing and talking and fishing. There's no self. There's no, nothing to watch. Nothing to read. And I, I got to imagine they're getting tired. And so then the Bible says the, the break of dawn is happening now. And Jesus is standing on the beach. But it says the disciples in verse 4 did not know that it was Jesus. Now, he had just revealed himself to them. And they had done done miracles together after the resurrection. But they saw him on the beach. They didn't recognize that it was him. So Jesus says to them, he calls out, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They said, No, we don't. I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't say, hey, dudes. He doesn't say, guys. He says, children. He's calling them into their identity in the moment when they're lacking. Children. This is the only time Jesus uses this specific word, children, in the book of John. In this, in, in, you know, because... There's all kinds of different, Americans, English, we have like one word that, and it's like, doesn't have, you know, it's children. But, you know, if you, if you see the word love in the Bible, there's different uh, descriptions of love, phileos, eros, there's all kinds of things, and we just read love. But in this specific situation, the word that he used there, children, he had never, he had not used. And he's saying, hey, my, my people and so then he says this. He gives them some direction and some instruction. They say, they, they know we haven't caught anything. We've been here all night. We haven't caught anything. And so Jesus says to them, cast the net on the right hand of the boat. Now, I'm wondering, had they not tried that all night? I mean, insanity is what, man? Doing the same thing over and over with the same kind of, you know, there's nothing happening. Like, I'm just throw it. But they didn't. Apparently. So Jesus says, hey guys, why don't you try something new? Do what I say. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. And then it says, Jesus says, you will catch some fish. So, therefore, it says they cast. They did that. They cast. And there were so many fish that they were not able to haul it in because of the great number I mean, it did, like, we don't know, if, did, this ha- did this happen instantaneously? Could you imagine the, like, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, pff, and then just fish are just jumping into there. This is incredible. We don't know the time frame, but it, it, it seems to be that it happened pretty quickly. And so, uh, remember, this is, John's, this is John's book, and John calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. So it says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved 
said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Another weird thing about guys fishing together, he was in his skivvies. I think that's a little odd. Hey, let's go fishing and let's strip down. Guys, I'm not going with you to this little fishing trip. But it says he, he put on his outer garment to jump into the sea. There's a couple keys here. He's the only one that jumped to go see Jesus. And he also put on his outer garment. Now, we know come as you are, even if you're naked, come on in. We do have a dress code here, kind of. I'm talking, you know, spiritually. But there's also something. See, Peter knew Jesus. He was one of his three. He was one of the favored ones. And Peter puts on his garment to go see his king. Sometimes we need to put on that garment of praise when we come into the house of God. We need to put that thing on and say, I'm coming to you, God. Now, I'm coming as I am, but I'm also coming with the garment of praise. And so he goes, sees, he goes to Jesus and he swims to him. Now, we've seen this story before, Jesus walking on water. I mean, this is a Peter walking on water. This is who Peter was, man. He was a go-getter. So he went and he swam to Jesus. But it says in verse 8, the other disciples, they decided to stay in the boat. And, and it was a little boat, it says. They were not far from the land, about 100 yards. And they dragged the, the net full of fish with them. So when they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. So Peter was sitting with Jesus. See, Peter decided to jump out of the boat to see Jesus, even though his brothers had stayed. I've told you this before. You want to have the favor of heaven. You want to have the intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes you have to leave the boat to go to your king. And you will get to then sit with him on the side, sit with him in the beach, making food, waiting for your friends to come. Now, they all love Jesus, but there's something that happens when you chase after the heart of Jesus. You get to spend intimate times with him that others don't. This is key. Tony was talking to me in between services, Tony Robbins, uh, Robinson, about she had read this. And what stood out to her was that, 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 that there was already provision for them. Jesus had already provided the bread and the fish. And so the disciples finally get to the beach shore. And they come out. They pull all the fish out. And this is a very important what John notes here. It says in verse 11, Simon, then went, uh, Simon Peter went to greet them and help them pull the net to the land. And it says it was full of large fish. So these weren't tiny fish. And 153 fish. And there were so many. Shockingly, the net was not torn. The net was not broken. They could barely keep 
the fish in the net. They pull it onto the shore. That thing should have just ripped to shreds. It was, it was like full of the weight of the fish. But let me give you a key here. Remember, Jesus said to them, you have been futile, basically. You've been futile in what you've tried to do now. Why don't you try to do what I suggest and Put your net on the other side of the boat and you'll catch fish. So Jesus gives a directive with an answer. He says, not only do what I say, but if you do what I say, he didn't just say, put your net on the right side of the boat. He said, put your net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch fish. And the net, you'll get a reuse. It will not be broken. I'll tell you why. Because when you obey Jesus... Nothing is broken. When you obey Jesus, you actually walk in blessing, not brokenness. You walk in wholeness, not brokenness. Now, there's something about this number 153. Why 153? Why so specific? Why not about 150, about 100, you know, like a few, you know. 153, there's a reason why. There, there are a lot of different reasons why, but here's my favorite. Jewish tradition then believed that there were 153 different species of fish. So John is saying, I, we counted exactly 153 fish. You know what that represents? The gospel is for all. It is for black and white, tall and short. It is for Jew and it is for Gentile. It is for male, it is for female, it is for free man and for slave. The gospel, the universal truth of the gospel, not universalism, but the universal truth of the gospel is that Jesus died for all. And it's represented here, 153 fish. So this got a Jewish man's attention. There's something about 153 fish. And then it says in verse 14, this was the third time that Jesus had manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first time was in John 20, 19. I'm going to read this to you. Now, remember, Jesus raised from the dead, and he's walking around, and Mary sees him. And the first person to see Jesus, though, is a woman. And so then it says he appears to the disciples. Check this out, verse 19 of 20. So when the evening came on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, the disciples were in one place, the doors were shut. For the fear of the Jews. See, this was a moment of, they were afraid because their King Jesus had died, they'd seen him die, and it appeared like it appeared like the enemy had won. Uh, oh my, you know, even though he'd prophesied this, but they were still like, man, he's gone. Now what do we do? And it says they were scared of the Jews. Well, they were scared because they th- this group of people, these were worshiping a, f- a false god. You know, Jesus, he was considered to be the false god. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews who didn't follow him, they're like, he's a blasphemer. And this is why they crucified him. And so now those who followed him, actually the group of people, they became called the way. That was the name of their, the first Christians were called the way. They were scared. And so the door got shut and they're all huddled together and they're freaking out. 
And then it says, all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in their midst. Here's what's cool. They didn't ask him to come. He just came. And so we are in, living in another moment where if you just pop on Fox or CNN or MSNBC or whoever, I did it the other day because I heard there's a new variant of COVID. And I'm, we're, up, we're up at St. George. I'm like, oh, there's another variant of COVID. And somebody's reading. and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're about to, looks like they're going to shut, shut us down again. I'm like, what, what is happening? Seriously? So I, pull up, I just pull up Fox News on my app. And I'm not kidding. One headline, new variant, blah, blah, blah. Story, story, variant, story, story, story. All the first page, half of the first page was all about the new uh, variant called the um something, um. And I thought, are you kidding me again? And so fear is trying to be spread again like fear was being spread back then. And Jesus appears in the midst of them like he appears to the midst of you in the face of another, quote, outbreak and pandemic. And he says to them, the very first words he says to them after he resurrected is the same words he's telling you this morning. Peace be with you. In the midst of fear, peace be with you. And then it says this. He showed them his scarred hands and his side that was uh, speared. Why does he do that? He's saying, listen, peace be with you. I am who I said I am. I have resurrected, and I will show you the proof that I am the one who hung on the cross. You can trust me. If I said it, I'll do it. Peace be with you. So this new strain that tries to come and attack you and bring fear, don't let it. I declared on Facebook the other day the pandemic is over. Now, if it is or isn't, it doesn't matter because I declared it. And we prophesied to it. And I had somebody get upset at me. You can't say the pandemic's over. Well, I just did. It's like this. Tony has said this before. Oh, my gosh, in two years, we're going to run out of water in Las Vegas. And I look around, and they're building constantly. And I'm like, why are they building if we're going to run out of water? Like, they know something we don't know, that there's going to be water. So we're prophesying with heaven that there will be plenty of water in Lake Mead. Words are powerful. But the Prince of Peace stands in your midst. Even when you didn't call on him, it says he stood in their midst and he said, peace. And then they ate. Or they, and then they, they go uh, to move back to where he's, at the, he's at, the, at the beach, and it says they have breakfast. But actually, I, I, I want to move back. After he said, peace be with you, he says it again in verse 21. And then he says, it says, when he said this to them, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. Now receive the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives you power. So walk in the peace and the power that I have given you. In the midst of the woke culture 
Walk in power. Do not be conformed to this world. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of love, sound mind, and authority. After moving back to the beach scene, Jesus pulls Peter aside. Now remember, the last time we see Peter Right before the death of Jesus, we see Peter, what's he doing? He's denying Christ. Now, Jesus said he would deny, he said, you're going to deny me. And he said, I'm not, I would never deny you. And he did it. He felt, could you imagine that? You just feel like absolute garbage. And so Peter is still carrying around the shame. Even, even though he saw Jesus, there's, there's still the shame that's on him, I believe, and what's interesting to me is, like, he denies Christ. Like, he betrayed Christ, basically. He, he turned his back on Christ. Now, we have Judas who literally betrayed him and turned him over to the authorities. And then we have Peter who denies him and betrays him in his heart and to people. And he even says he, like, cusses and all this stuff he's doing. He's not acting like a Christian here. And then we have Judas who hangs himself because of, his shame was so great. And then we have Peter, who when he sees Jesus on the shore, runs out to greet him. So even in the midst of his shame, in the midst of his uh, sorrow, he recognizes and he understands who he is and who Jesus is. But Jesus does something even greater. He pulls him aside and he says, and he doesn't call him Peter. He says, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Who are these? He's with the, the disciples. Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than the people you hang out? Do you love me more than these? And Peter says what? Yes, you know I love you. Come on. You know it, God. Let's go. And so then Jesus gives him a directive. If you love me, tend my lambs. Tend them. He doesn't say, okay, good, Peter, I'm so glad. Okay. If you love me, now go chase your dreams. Oh, you go, go start a church. If you love me, well, then you better reconcile with that old friend of yours. That'll be the true test of your love for me. Actually, what he says is this. If you love me, the test will be you will tend to my people. Serve. We don't look at servanthood sometimes as high as we should. <laughs> but it's literally the, the thing that Jesus said would be the defining factor if, in your love toward me was serving people. And then Jesus has the nerve to ask him again, Simon, son of John, yes, do you love me? Peter goes, dude, I already told you. I love you. Yes. Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. So he goes, if you love me, serve. If you now love me, lead my people. Shepherd them. Take care of them. Comfort them. Protect them. Peter 
was an apostle. Peter is looked at as the first pope of the Catholic Church. He was he was giving Peter his function, his call, shepherd. Now, for you, it's not necessarily in full-time ministry. Jesus might be asking you, Cedric, do you love me? Kevin, do you love me? Lee, do you love me? Then he says, you say, of course I do. And he says, serve my people. And then he says, he asks you again, do you love me? And then he says, okay, then here is your function. Go do this. For Peter, it was shepherd. First, servanthood then function. We get that wrong sometimes. We feel people should serve us, especially in ministry. It's really backwards in vocational. Like, it's really backwards. We, think, we feel like, oh, I'm the pastor now or whatever. I got to, people must serve me. Where is my servants? We don't say that necessarily, although I've seen it done where a pastor was getting hot and he had his sport coat on, his jacket on, and he stood on stage and he said to his armor bearer, come serve me, take my jacket off. And the guy did it. I'd be like, what did you just say to me? Take your own jacket off, dude. No, I probably wouldn't. I probably would have done the same thing because there's honor in serving it like that. Because there, there's times in your life when you need to be a David to a Saul. There's never a time when you need to be a Saul to a David, but there are times in your life when you need to be the David to the Saul. And let me tell you why. Because then when you become king, you will know not how to treat people. There's always a lesson when God places you somewhere. There's always a lesson. And so he says to Peter, lead my people, but serve them, serve them, lead them, shepherd them, which is what? Protect, cover. And then he says a third time, now Peter's all like, okay, I got it. Now a third time, Jesus has the nerve to ask him again, Peter, no, not Peter, Simon, there's a reason why he doesn't call him Peter. We'll get to it in a minute. Simon. Simon says. Remember that game? Stupid game. I hated that game. I could never finish it. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter's going, my goodness. The Bible says he's grieved at this point. Why is he continuing to ask me? But, but Jesus is going to the heart of who Peter was, knowing that he had denied him three times. Now he's asking him three times, do you love me? And this time he goes back. To servanthood, Peter's like, you know I love you. What more do I have to do to prove it? Serve people. So he says, serve them. Walk in your function and then serve them. Now this is very consistent with the life of Christ who came in as a servant, humble king. Remember, the doors were shut in his face up to, uh, when he was born. Mary had nowhere to go. She couldn't even go to the Henderson Motel, if there is one. Henderson Motel. That's probably not a good place. I don't know. Somewhere on Water Street. She wasn't even accepted on Water Street. It's not that bad. She tried to go to North Vegas and get... That's better? She was rejected. Everywhere she went, there was nowhere to go. So she had to go where animals lived. Disgusting. And it was probably a cave, if you study it. She, she Jesus was probably born in a cave. But then it says she placed him in a manger, a feeding trough. That's all she had. So she, she wraps him up. She placed him in a feeding trough. Why? The, symbol, the symbolism here is 
He came in humbly to serve, and he was put in a feeding trough because he is the bread for us. He's our life. We feed off of him. And then he goes through his life as a servant, but also as a shepherd, not just to, to his disciples, to the world. He's the shepherd of the world. And then at the end of his life, what's the last thing he does in the midst of his disciples? He washes their feet. He even washed the feet of the one who would betray him and turn his back on him. He knew what Judas was going to do, yet he still washed his feet. He served his enemy in that time. So he came in as a servant, and he went out as a servant, and he did the greatest act of love in the history of the world is Jesus dying on the cross, serving mankind, saying, I will take your place. And so now he's telling Peter, who will become an incredible uh, person going forward and just an evangelist and an apostle. And he tells, he tells Peter, he says, you do the same. You serve, you lead, and you serve. Here's what's funny. He doesn't call him Peter. He changes his name. Remember Simon, Peter, Simon, you'll now be called Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. He's not talking about Peter, the person, necessarily. We, we got into that months ago. But Peter was, was used uh, as, a, uh, as somebody who, who built who build God's church. And now he's calling him Simon, son of John. Why? Because here's what I think. And there are different theories. Here's, here's what I think. I prayed hard on this. I'm God, what, what is the deal here? Why, why Jesus? Why would you call him his birth name when you changed his name? Here's what I think. I think Jesus was going back to the heart of who he was, and he was saying, remember me when I first met you, and you were Simon. I'm calling you again, Simon. I'm saying, do you love me? And if you do, come back to your first love, like when we first met, and you were, uh, you know, you were this Simon, and then I changed your name, but now I'm calling you by your birth name, and I'm asking you again, do you love me? Sometimes to get his attention, that's what he does. Man, sometimes when we got to get our kids' attention, birth names are coming out, all, all five of them. <laughs> now, I got four kids, and I cannot remember the middle names sometimes. And so I want to go to call them the middle name, and I'm like, Gwyneth Richie. It's Isabella. Isabella. Charlotte Evangeline. Yes. Richie. We got to call them back to their, who they are, their birth name. That's what Jesus does with Peter. He's like, Simon, son of John, do you love me? If you love me, do what I say. And here's another thing. At that moment when Peter says, I do love you, God, Jesus had given him authority then to go do those things. With much love, you are given much authority. So I want to challenge us. In this season that's coming up, we have a great opportunity to serve mankind. Christmas, man. Obey God. Ask God, who can you serve? He'll tell you. Now, if he says, hey, I need you to give 100 bucks to this couple, then do it. He's, remember, he, if he tells you to do it, he's not going to leave you broken. Well, I only got $100 in my account. Don't worry about it. You won't be broken. He, he, it's like putting, it's, it's, it's catching fish on the right side. You're, you're not going to be broken. If he says, go adopt a family, 
and pay for their food for the Christmas season. Just do it. Like, who more could you trust than Jesus? Well, I don't know his voice. Oh, you, the devil's not going to tell you to go help somebody. Is anybody like me? You get, you hear something, you're like, you feel uh, to give somebody money or, to do, and then you're like, oh, ugh, that could be Satan. That, it's not God. That can't be God. And then it sticks in your craw. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh my gosh, like, go pray for that person. I'm in the store, God. I don't want to pray for anybody. I want to get my groceries and go home. Go pray for that person. Obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice, by the way. That's somewhere in the Bible. So ask God who you can serve in this season. And it'll be a reflection of your love for your king. It is a principal part of the gospel of Jesus is that we serve mankind. Come on, stand up with me. I'm already standing. You might as well stand with me. Remember, obedience always leads to blessing. Obedience never leads to brokenness. In the midst of this new COVID variant, whatever, peace be with you. In the midst of fear, peace be with you. You see Jesus on the shore and you're in the boat, get out of the boat and start swimming to him. Peace be with you. Jesus tells you to go serve your neighbor. Go serve your neighbor and peace will be with you. Amen.